American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patriot-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others. When conventional communications are disrupted or compromised or grid up, this is Partisan Radio. Thank you all for joining us, and congratulations once again to the new wave of those of you who've just recently gotten licensed, and those of you who are studying away, young and old. Got a contact this week from a very young patriot, a girl, seven years old, studying for her ham license with her dad. So, dad, this is going to be like teaching how to, teaching your daughter one day how to drive a clutch. It's going to require the same level of patience. This uh, can be some pretty heavy, heady stuff for a seven-year-old, but seven-year-olds do do it. 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, there's no age limit. So I applaud you, Dad, and this young lady who's working toward that goal. That is great. Just bite-sized pieces and keep plugging away, and you'll get her there. So good stuff. Don't forget to mark your calendars. T-Rex will be Friday through Sunday on August 7th, 8th, and 9th. And if you want to take a look about what that's going to look like, go to Amron.com, type in the search word T-Rex promo, and we've got a couple videos there for you to take a look at. This week in amateur radio news, several relief efforts were continuing with the relief efforts for the post-earthquake uh, situation in Nepal and the surrounding areas. And then also there are several relief efforts that are underway right now in the Midwest United States with a series of very violent storms and tornadoes that have killed at least one, injured one critically, and uh, unknown at this point how many others are are hurt. But the infrastructure is uh, definitely affected. This is something that we are going to be incorporating into Amron. Of course, we're disaster preparedness uh, radio network. And that's something that we have not placed enough emphasis on. And even for regional disasters affecting communications, uh, it would give us a great opportunity to serve our fellow countrymen. And it would add uh, just invaluable real-world experience for the days ahead. So we're going to be incorporating some responses to real-world emergencies uh, in the coming months or over the summer. We'll be releasing those a little bit at a time. Uh, one announcement, and we talked about this last week in Prosser, Washington. Uh, we are developing an app, and I say we, not as in me, but other than giving feedback and input for what we want it to do. But Amron will have its own smart device, uh, mobile device app, which uh, is operational and functional, but it is in the beta testing phase right now. We have just a small handful of beta users 
that are offering feedback and checking the functionality, and there's several features that we are going to be incorporating into that. We want to be able to alert you when there are threatening uh, circumstances that could require us to raise the AMCON level, or if we are at an elevated AMCON level and lower the AMCON level, uh, then we want to be able to let the entire network know as efficiently as possible. And since so many of you have the smart devices now, smartphones and tablets, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have those available at your fingertips if something arises. It'll also be good for training and being able to keep you informed of uh, things like, well, the storm in or the series of storms in the Midwest to put an alert out to let people know to be monitoring on a specific channel or frequency uh, for those who might be using the signals operating instructions to call out for help who are stranded or are in need. I want to congratulate all of you on our nets this last month. April's total check-ins was 656 check-ins. 84% of those were ham check-ins and 16% were CH3. That's the non-licensed FRS, MERS, and CB. So it was great. Now, of those, probably about 8% were FRS, 6% were CB, and 3% were MERS. And, uh, and of course, that's your uh, those are your local nets. Very good. I don't have the numbers in front of me for our HF nets, but those are available over at Amron.com. It's the second to the most recent posting, and you'll be able to uh, to look at that. And members can put in the password and look at the more in depth, comprehensive net reports that break those numbers down even further. Now, one of the reasons that we provide communications is to assist with the intelligence process. We take intelligence and we communicate that traffic to where it needs to go back and forth to the end user from the reporter or from uh, the end user's analysis back out to the people. So the information and traffic that we're passing can become useful there's a great way for you to learn how to do that. If you are in eastern Washington or northern Idaho or within uh, any type of driving distance, uh, there is a course coming up that's called the Intelligence Preparation of the Community. This is an intelligence analysis course that Sam Culper from the Forward Observer magazine uh, puts out, and he conducts these courses. It's absolutely the best use of your time for getting prepared on the intelligence uh, level. And in this IPC course, uh, it used to be the ACAC course, the analysis uh, control. I'm not sure of the, I can't really remember. It was the analysis, intelligence, analysis, and control element. I'm not uh, exactly sure of the name of the course, but now it's called IPC, Intelligence Preparation of the Community. And Sam will take you through a four-step process for analyzing your community and the likely threats like an Army intelligence analyst would do. And the IPC is based on the Army's intelligence preparation of the battlefield, which supports war fighting. Sam has taken that Army process and converted it for uses for the Patriot Prepper. And uh, if 
something like the intelligence process is something that you're drawn to, I want to encourage you to check that course out and find one. If you, if you can't make it to the one in Spokane on uh, the 29th through the 31st of May, uh, you can go to forwardobserver.com. You can contact Sam Culper and find a course near you. There was something I wanted to share with you. It was uh, it was a test that was posted uh, over at uh, the Amron Facebook page. And have you ever wondered how long will these various different batteries last? Well, someone did a test. Hank Kermudgeon, I love the name, did a test using AA batteries with the battery cases that you can get for the Baofeng radios. Now, they warn you not to use rechargeable batteries because of the lack of uh, the amperage required to operate that radio efficiently. They recommend that you use alkaline batteries. But just for monitoring, just for listening, which is what he was doing in this case, he used alkaline batteries and some of the rechargeable batteries. So the number one test came out, it seems to me, the Energizer brand advanced lithium batteries came out uh, continuously monitoring local fire band frequencies with an average of about three to four calls an hour at three fourths volume, three quarters full volume. Uh, this lasted with five batteries in there, three days and 19 hours and 25 minutes. So, or 91.4 hours. And that was with the Energizer brand Advanced Lithium Batteries. The next test results were the Panasonic brand Eneloops, which is what I have and a lot of you have purchased from Costco. The Eneloop batteries, which are nickel metal hydride rechargeable batteries, require six of those as opposed to just five of those Energizer batteries. But... With six of those batteries in there, it lasted two days, 12 hours, and 53 minutes, or 60.9 hours. Uh, the next one was the next one was the Baofeng Extended Capacity 2100 milliamp hour lithium ion battery. Uh, it was cycled uh, with four previous charges and discharge cycles to maximize the charge capacity. That one lasted. 58.9 hours. So it came in number three. So actually the rechargeable Panasonic Eneloops and the Energizer batteries came out ahead of the rechargeable battery that comes with the Baofeng or that you can get for the Baofeng, the extended life. And of course, coming in last is the, the Kodak brand Max Alkaline batteries lasted only one day and 23 hours and two minutes. And uh, there's one uh, also the Duracell brand quantum alkaline batteries uh, came in at 51 hours. So uh, pretty interesting little test. That's over at facebook.com. We're going to see if we can pull that off there and get it uh, cleaned up and posted on our website. It's information that could be very useful to you. If you remember last week when the ISIS attack took place in Houston, Texas, on uh, this facility that was hosting a Draw Muhammad contest, after the attack and the police killed the two assailants, uh, there was something that was very interesting that developed 
that only one news agency reported on. Reporters were told to disable their electronics uh, by the police before electronic pulses. So the EMP device used to disable possible explosives following the Garland attack that's, you know, last on the 5th of May. Uh, several reporters at the scene of Sunday's terror attack in Garland, Texas, stated that police used an electromagnetic pulse device when examining the suspect's shooter's vehicle for explosives. And according to NBC5's Kevin Coakley, an explosion sound was heard from the suspect's vehicle shortly after the police bomb squad told media personnel to disable all electronics. Garland police had warned of electronic magnetic pulses. And uh, following the explosion, NBC5 uh, captured the event on film, saying that the police refused to comment on the sound's origin. Now, we've since learned that the police did use explosives to blow some suspicious items in place. But that's not the same thing as the EMP that they were talking about. They warned all the reporters to disable their electronic devices. They didn't say exactly how to disable or how they went about disabling them, if that means pulling the battery out or just simply shutting them down or what. But this is very telling for patriots uh, to understand that there appears to be portable or mobile electromagnetic pulse devices that can be used in the United States by municipal law enforcement. So this could change the capabilities and it could also change some things that we might want to think about as American patriots. We might want to think about hardening our equipment. Now, it's nearly impossible to harden all of your equipment because, well, we use it. However, it might be time to start thinking about some backup capabilities. So, one thing that could come in very handy is possibly a backup telephone, a prepaid, prepaid card, uh, what we call a burner phone. It's one that you can use. And it's not tied to you or your identity, and it's tossed when it's outlived its usefulness. A burner phone, a cell phone, could be in held, could be kept in a metal case, what's called a Faraday cage. And I'm going to talk about more of this coming up. There is a great article that was posted to Amron.com about storing electronics in a homemade Faraday cage uh, using metal garbage cans. Uh, so you can go and look there, but you can get smaller uh, EMP-protected uh, containers and bags, Ziploc-type bags, that I'm going to be talking about next week. So next week I'm going to talk about burner phones, and I'm going to talk about electromagnetic pulse protection. We're going to expand on this story. So this is an interesting revelation that could change some things uh, on the streets in America that we might want to take into consideration. That's going to be coming next week. This week, we are going to actually be giving away a burner phone, a flip phone, and you'll have to, to participate in that. Oh, by the way, this flip phone was purchased with cash 
outside of the American redoubt. It was delivered covertly to partisans, which got it to me. So uh, it's a completely clean phone. (laughs) And we are going to give that away tonight. So hopefully you have your digital communications all in place. So fire up your FL Digi, get ready to decode. There is actually going to be two signals put out in audio form. Of course, you could technically transmit these over the radio, but we're just using audio files. This is recorded FL Digi signals. Now you're going to want to click on your RX ID, so it will automatically detect the mode that I will be transmitting here in just a few moments. And uh, your system will switch over to that. This is all based off of prior training that we've done uh, at Radio Free Redoubt and Partisan Radio. So this isn't anything new. But if you're new and uh, this digital communication sounds unfamiliar to you, you can go back and listen to previous episodes. And also go to Amron.com and type in digital communications. Type in FL Digi. Uh, Any of those search words will bring you to some of those articles that will help you get up and running in no time at all. Now, this week, I've got a question coming from, I will withhold his name. What are your thoughts on the best portable HF radio and antenna? Now, this is a very difficult question to answer, and it is a very common one. What, What HF, high frequency radio, do you recommend? And what's the best antenna? There's no way to answer that because there are so many different variables. But what I try to do is anticipate what your goals are because that's what really is going to factor into the answers. What is a field expedient antenna? Is this something that you want to carry on a backpack and be able to deploy in the field? Or do you mean field expedient like you could pull it out of the back of your truck and have it set up in just a few moments, break down and take off again. Uh, Because there are some great field expedient antennas out there, but aren't probably the most ideal for backpacking, for example. So I'll go over some of these. The listener says, I'm hearing a lot of praise for the FT450D that's made by Yesu, but would like to look at what Electcraft and ICOM might offer. The FT450D could be used for portable, but it doesn't just seem to have the ruggedness that I would want in a portable radio. Uh, There are some great reviews on the new for the FT450D, but the FT450D is, it is what Yesu is putting out to replace the 897D. And the 897D is just what people call the Swiss army knife of emergency communications radios. It's just an amazing radio. I am more of a thrifty shopper. I will buy used radios and I would look for at FT897D. It's uh, much more conducive for the field environment than a 450D would be. But you mentioned the Electcraft or, or the ICOM. So I want you, I want to point you to the Electcraft for the KX3 transceiver. That's a QRP rig, and 
I'm not real familiar with Electcraft other than the KX3 and then the other their desktop models. I'm not aware of a really good uh, field expedient uh, portable type of HF uh, rig from Electcraft other than the KX3. That's a QRP or low power radio. So let me give you some, some other radios that I would strongly recommend you take a very close look at. The 857D and the 897D are both made by Yesu. The 897D is no longer made, but was probably one of the most widely distributed, widely purchased uh, radios for emergency communications that does all bands, all modes, or multi-band, all mode radios that are, are really well-built and rugged and good for that portable use that seems like what you you are looking for. The ICOM 7000 is probably a very close comparable radio to that 450D that you are taking a close look at. Those are both uh, very, very comparable. Beautiful rigs, both of them. Uh, it's not something that I would consider uh, something that I would want to take into the field in a field environment a lot. Another radio the ICOM doesn't make any longer, unfortunately, is the MK2Gs, the MK Roman numeral 2G. Uh, that is just an amazing radio, and uh, that is uh, wonderful for your field use as well. Your ICOM 7100 would be something that I would take a very close look at for your field portable uh, mobile rig, not necessarily backpack type. If you want to go backpack, I would go with the Electcraft KX3, which is QRP, it's the low power, uh, or probably the FT-857D by Yesu. That would give you that backpack portability. The other ones that I mentioned, I would use those for either a desktop or in a vehicle uh, that uh, I can set up a field station with. Now let's talk about antennas. The one that you mentioned is the Ultralight. They have a different series, Ultralight Senior, Ultralight Junior, Ultralight Kid, which is a multi-band dipole and antenna. And uh, I've not personally handled one of those, but I've heard good things about those, and those are relatively affordable, anywhere from $100 to $125 for a dipole. you got to have the space to be able to put those up. But if you do, if you have the poles or the trees, uh, I'm a firm believer in a dipole. I personally just carry a simple dipole uh, antenna, wire antenna, uh, which seems to give me the best performance for field-type operations where I can just throw a wire up in the trees in a dipole and uh, pull it up as high as, you know, as high as I can throw the ends and pull it up into the trees. And I just have had wonderful luck as opposed to opposed to some of these uh, these other commercially made uh, multi-band vertical type of antennas. So the Ultralight, uh, they have those over at k1jek.com. And uh, good, really good and affordable antennas that uh, I've never heard anything bad about. Now, some commercially made antennas that uh, I have heard, I've had my hands on these and talked to operators who use these. 
there's the Alpha DX. Uh, those are commercially made vertical antennas that come with the tripod and everything from 10 meters to 80 meters. And that's called the Alpha DX. Uh, those are, are really good vertical antennas for what they are. Uh, those, the buddy poles, the buddy sticks, the super antennas, they all seem to be super expensive. Uh, and the reports that I get back are marginal that I get from these. Uh, the buddy poles, I've heard people say they love them. Uh, others say they've just have had abysmal uh, performance with those. Uh, the super antennas, same way, very portable. Uh, it looks great uh, on the website, but for those that have used those, it's mixed results. Some people swear by them while other people swear at them because they can't get the performance that they were hoping for. Uh, the Alpha DX is the same thing. I personally use uh, ham sticks and I have uh, the center uh, piece to make those into a dipole. I've had great luck on digital, but I've talked to people who have had horrible luck using those. But uh, they are options that could be backpack portable for you or very easily field expedient. And uh, so let me give you the rundown on those again. The Alpha DX. Then there's the Buddy Pole. Also, they make the Buddy Stick. Then there's Super Antenna. And then there is the Ham Stick. You can buy one Ham Stick, put it on your vehicle, HF, driving down the road. Or you can put two of them together and make it into a dipole. So Ham Stick, Super Antenna, Buddy Pole, and the Alpha DX. Those are the four out there. And to say what is the best really depends on who you talk to. I've heard good and I've heard bad about all of them. Uh, and But I do know that they're just not going to perform as well as a wire strung up as high as you can get it. So a wire dipole antenna is what I recommend personally. There's one other antenna I want to point you to that's been really good for those who live in small areas, an apartment, for example, or if you are staying in a hotel, it's called the Alex loop. It's a magnetic loop antenna. I've been talking to a couple of other operators who are experimenting with those and they've had great luck, but you really have to use QRP with those. Uh, some of those commercially built ones don't seem to be able to handle more than 30, 40, or sometimes 50 Watts, uh, that, uh, but it really gets the signal out. So, Hopefully that helps you a little bit, gets you pointed in the right direction, and hopefully some others can benefit from that as well. You can send your questions to John Jacob at RadioFreeReadout.com. And next week we're going to have a full, a full uh, partisan radio. We're going to talk about burner phones. We're going to talk about security. We're going to talk about EMP protection and mitigation plans for uh, that uh, man portable. Uh, type of uh, electromagnetic mm, weapon or device that uh, might be able to help us out, help some people out in the future as well. All right, guys, you have a great week and keep the letters coming and the ideas. And hopefully we can generate some discussion off some of these things and we can all learn from each other. I have no further traffic. I am John Jacob Schmidt out. As ready trained communicators right up to the present time, radio hams, have been busy every single minute.
the ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble. Attention. 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 Stand by for message. Attention. 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 Stand by for message.
End of message.